it wasn't immediately clear from the selected text for the theme of our day is forgiveness. Now, I don't know about you, but this is kind of a tough one for me. Forgiveness, I mean, more specifically, forgiving others. Anybody with me? Okay, good. Thank you. Yes, also that. Um, I think about the times in my life when someone has said, I'm sorry, and I respond with a quick, it's okay, even though it's not okay, and I'm not okay, and I definitely don't forgive you. Anyone else on that one? Yeah, okay, good. Forgiveness is hard. It takes something from us to give it and to receive it. We have to let go of anger and resentment. And maybe harder, we have to let go of the right to get even or even bring it up later when we feel like it. Now, asking for forgiveness is not much easier, especially the impossible I'm sorry without a but or a that you feel that way? Anybody ever? That's not a real apology, but in case you've ever done it, so you know. But I'm sorry, but here's why I did what I did, and I'm not actually a horrible person. I just kind of did this thing, right? Well, I'm sorry. Full stop. It's very hard. It's hard to admit that we were wrong, that we hurt somebody, and no one really likes to admit those things. For the past couple weeks, we've heard in the Gospels Jesus trying to teach his disciples what it means to be a part of a community of faith what it means to be in community with brothers and sisters, what it means to be the church, and what it means to be in relationship with other children of God. And it is not easy. In today's gospel, Jesus makes a really clear point about what it looks like to be in a forgiven community. And it looks like forgiving others as you have been forgiven. Which, let's be honest, sounds really nice when we say it, but is much, much harder in practice. So Peter, having heard Jesus say, as Chad preached on last week, we we heard it seven days ago, but it was only the last sentence for Peter, so we can live in community with each other even when we're very different, right? This is, it's possible to forgive each other and love each other in this way. And in fact, this is how God created the church to exist in this very way. Peter hears this and says, okay, but how much do I have to do this? Amen, Peter, right? Right there with you. I know I'm not alone. Again, you can make me feel better by agreeing with me here that um, there are people that I think definitely do not deserve forgiveness, right? Anybody else? A real honest of you are raising your hands here. Now, as I read this text and planned for this week, I kept coming back in my head to this letter I read online a few years ago um, from Honest Toddler. Has anybody ever heard of Honest Toddler? Yeah, it's so funny. Um, It's a blog, a social media handle um, that writes from the perspective of a toddler. Um, And it's super funny, especially when you are or have been the parent of a toddler. So... Thinking about forgiveness and how hard it is to do this difficult thing, forgive others, I want to read to you a part of this letter, which is officially titled, Open Letter to the Child I Hit at the Park. Dear child I hit at the park, even now from the dark void of time out, where I was firmly plopped upon the bottom step of my family's staircase to think about what I did, I can't say with any sincerity that I'm sorry. 
You see, in this existence designed for giants, the park is my retreat, my natural habitat. Everything is built to scale, each corner a unique trove of childhood delight unto itself. Swings, sandbox, jungle gym. The park is a world within a world, a sacred place consecrated for the young in body but mighty in spirit. It is our holy land. This afternoon as I ran toward the park gate, my heart felt about ready to burst with joy. Nothing and no one could ruin this day. No one except you. Noting an empty swing, we left my sand toys on a bench. It's amazing how the simplest of decisions can alter your destiny. After swinging, it was sand time. As we walked over to the sandbox, I imagined a detailed blueprint for the cityscape I would call forth with my plastic dollar store tools. And then I saw you. Blue and white pinstripe overalls, like a convict. (laughs) Your ensemble was fittingly poetic. You sat, legs splayed in the sandbox, holding my shovel. Holding my shovel. He's holding my shovel. Our eyes met as you picked up my telepathic communication. You answered silently. My mom said I could. (laughs) That's my shovel, I messaged back. My mom said I could. I broke into an immediate sprint in your direction. Maybe I let out a battle cry or said something out loud. I can't remember, but my mother was alerted, and before I could reach you, my feet began to lift like an aircraft slowly taking flight. Stop, she said. I could hear them speaking my mom to your mom. We're still learning about sharing. Sharing? Surely she's joking. It's utterly confounding how possessive adults are about their own belongings, whether it be a remote control or a wallet, but preach about communal property without even a twinge of guilt over their blatant hypocrisy. (laughs) Knowing all eyes were on me, I forced myself to walk calmly over to you, a degenerate of a child, and sat a toddler's length away. I fixed my gaze on you. Play. Go on, play, I messaged you. Play. You responded, I will. You continued, this is fun. I like your shovel. Your shovel is fun. Your shovel is so fun. And then you said it. Thank you for sharing. I lunged. Your face froze in abject terror as I tackled you. Sand flew up as our limbs and feet scurried. No, no, we don't hit. Her voice was urgent and high-pitched as we were separated. Say you're sorry right now, she hissed into my ear. Absolutely not. (laughs) Say you're sorry. Looking down, I muttered, apple saucy. Our moms were both speaking to us as they whisked us briskly away. Yours sang gentle coos and apologies, promises of warm chocolate milk and cookies. Mine, tight-lipped, clenched teeth with reprimands, promises of reporting to family and Santa. (laughs) Child, I hit at the park. I learned something today. Life is not fair. Life is not just, but if we have courage, even timeouts can feel like victory. I have not moved from the naughty spot since I landed here 110,000 hours ago. <laughs> I will serve my time with dignity, knowing that I prevailed over your tyranny, you rapscallion baby. 
Years from now, I'll think back to the shock in your eyes as I rained justice on your face, and maybe one day I'll be sorry, but today is not that day. (laughs) Today, I regret nothing. Apple saucy, my friend. Apple saucy. (laughs) Yes, funny, but also honest. And if we're really honest with ourselves, relatable, right? How many of you remember a parent telling you to say you're sorry when you really didn't want to say you're sorry? Yeah, right? Those were the hardest apologies with your mom or dad standing right there waiting for you to do it. Forgiveness is hard, especially when we think someone is undeserving. So when Peter asks Jesus how this forgiveness thing works, we are right there with him. We want to know exactly how many times we're supposed to let stuff go. We want to know that if we've forgiven someone seven times, then is that it? Can we be done and stop forgiving them now? Because seven times for the same thing feels like a lot. And Jesus says, nope, not seven, but 70 times seven. Now Jesus gives this number not to say we're supposed to tally the sins of each other until we reach 490, but because we don't need to tally at all. Forgiveness is a part of the kingdom of God. It is the way it works. And so when Peter says, how often do I forgive someone? What he's really asking is, do I have to forgive someone? And Jesus says, yes. Full stop. No caveat. The kingdom of God is characterized as its very core by unlimited and repeated and constant forgiveness. There is no limit to forgiveness in the kingdom of God. You need to hear that again. There is no limit to forgiveness in the kingdom of God. Now, because Jesus knows that he just totally blew their minds, he tells a parable. A parable of a person having their debt cleared and then going and refusing to clear the debt of someone else. Now, we know Despite the use of a financial metaphor here, we know this is about forgiveness because Jesus has just been asked a question about forgiveness. So he tells the story, not as an example of how things are, but a counterpoint to the way things are when forgiveness is not the norm. So he's saying the kingdom of God is like this, and I'm telling you if it's not, if it's like the world, it's like this. Right? When forgiveness is not constant and repeated and the way things are, then what happens is this story of forgiveness received and not offered. Now, as details often do, the amounts in this parable matter. Jesus makes his whole point with the amounts he uses. And since we don't use talents or denarii anymore, we can miss this clever part of Jesus' point. So 10,000 talents is the amount the first slave owes the Lord, if you remember. That's a lot of money. One talent, just one talent today, is estimated to be about $1.5 million. So 10,000 talents, kind of a lot of money, right? Way more than repayable. Sometimes they measure um, these talents in time instead of money, so they say... This amount of debt would take about 150,000 years of wages to pay back. So again, not repayable, right? Now on the other side, a denarii, the one that the slave has another person owes him, 
It's a lot less. So 100 denarii uh, is about $350. One denarius is about three bucks, a little more. So again, in time, if you want to measure this in time, it's about a month's worth of wages. So it's still a lot of money, but not impossible to repay. Jesus is asked about forgiveness and how it works, a question that we have all had or still have, if we're being honest. And he tells this story about somebody who is forgiven something huge and unpayable and then doesn't forgive someone for something pretty small. Why does this sound so familiar? Anyone? This is us. This is our whole life, right? Someone has forgiven us for something huge, like all of the sins we have ever committed or will commit. And yet we can't forgive that one person who cuts us off while we're driving. Hypothetically, of course. I think we're afraid a little to be forgiven this way, this freely, this much. Not because we don't want it or crave it or need it, but because we're afraid of what it might mean when we are asked to extend that same kind of forgiveness to those around us. But this is how God works. This is the system God has created us for us and invites us to be a part of. God forgives all the time. It is a main characteristic of the kingdom of God, constant and continuous forgiveness. And then we are sent out to do the same. And it's hard. Forgiveness can be so hard to give and receive. And honestly, if you're anything like me, it's pretty overwhelming to start thinking of all the people in my life that are still waiting for an apology or who are still waiting for me to forgive them. It's also not easy to think of the ways I refuse to forgive myself or how I have really refused to see myself as forgiven by God. When we stand up each week and say the words of confession and absolution, we mean them. It is foundational to who we are as people of God. When Chad and I stand up in front of you and say the words, God forgives your sins, we mean it. It's not us that's doing it. It's God that has already done it and will continue to do it. Lutheran pastor David Lowe said, The failure of the first servant isn't simply that he wouldn't forgive his comrade, but that he has just experienced an utterly unexpected, completely beyond his wildest dreams, life-changing moment of grace, and he seems absolutely untouched by it. And for this reason, he lives devoid of any sense of gratitude. His whole life was changed, and he didn't even notice. I'd like us to notice the forgiveness that we are constantly and regularly being given. It's easy to hear forgive as you are forgiven and be overwhelmed with all the forgiving you have yet to do. I get it. But I want us to instead to start this morning by thinking about what it means that we are at our core forgiven an impossibly huge, unimaginable, unrepayable debt. So we're going to confess again. 
here and now, and again receive absolution. Just in case you missed it the first time. Sometimes that happens. No judgment. Brent, also, I'm sorry I made fun of you for not eating meat. (laughs) Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who forgives all our sin, whose mercy endures forever. Amen. God of all mercy and consolation, come to the help of your people, turning us from our sin to live for you alone. Give us the power of your Holy Spirit that we may confess our sin, receive your forgiveness, and grow into the fullness of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Let us confess our sin in the presence of God and of one another. Most merciful God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. And for his sake, God forgives us all our sins. By grace, you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let's say that louder because it's a big deal. Amen. Yes, that's good. And this brings us full circle this morning, where we are about to come forward and receive a physical reminder of that forgiveness into our outstretched hands. You will hear the words, for you, and you will know that the forgiveness is fully yours again and again and again. And then we take our fully forgiven selves, we notice just for a moment, what that feels like to be a forgiven child of God. And then we are sent. We don't get to stay in here. We are sent into the world to do two things, to love as we have been loved and forgive as we have been forgiven. In Jesus' name. Jesus conquered the grave.